If you would this morning, open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 8. It seems that I've been kind of dancing around this chapter for the last month, if not here, someplace else, or at home, or in my own mind. But I just felt this would be a good portion of scripture for us to consider this morning. I've titled it, which I don't usually title my messages, but in this case I thought it might be appropriate. And this is not a pun, okay? So don't anybody laugh. The third word in my title is not a pun. Who can trump God's plan? I'd like to begin our reading at verse 32 of Romans chapter 8, and we'll read down to and including verse 39. Romans 8, beginning at verse 32. Well, in fact, act this back up to verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Our Father, now as we have read this portion of your word, and Father, we have been reminded of the sweet hour of prayer the time that we're given that we can commune with you to make our petitions known to give you thanks, to give you praise to uplift your name Father we thank you for the ability to pray the desire to pray and the knowledge of knowing that we are heard if we pray that which is according to your plans and your purposes. Help us, Father, to be in remembrance, remembrance of our faults and your mercy, remembrance of this country's failings, but yet, Father, you still are preserving us. We ask that you be with those that are away, traveling in other parts of the country, He'd watch over and keep them. The Father bless us nonetheless. For Christ's sake, amen. 
again, our text was primarily verse 32 through 39. But verses 38, the preceding verse even there, verse 28, shows us that God had a plan or a purpose in the lives of those that he loves. We won't go back and read from verse 28 down through verse 32. But I want us just to note that you see a very clear plan and purpose for God in his foreknowledge, his predestination, his justification, his calling. All of these things speak to a plan and a purpose of God for the benefit of those that he has called to those that love him those that have been called according to his purpose our God is purposeful he is not haphazard I think sometimes that I am one of the most haphazard people that have ever been born and I don't really like being that way but it just does seem to be the way that I am I don't always have a clear plan or focus in what I am after or what I'm wanting to do. And if I do, it's oftentimes altered, changed, revised in the process of accomplishing it. But this is not so with our God. No one is going to stop, hinder, or perplex our God nor his plan we find in verse 32 that God's plan included the delivering up of his own beloved son for our benefit verse 32 again says he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us or for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He gave us the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ when he gave him up for us to accomplish his purpose in us through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you would, quickly, just look back at Romans chapter 5 and verses 15 through 17. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of many be dead, I'm sorry, for if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. And not as it were by one that, sin, that sinned, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift for the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many, is of many offenses unto justification. 
For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by Jesus Christ. We all fell in Adam. We all were lost in Adam. Our position, our standing, our place before God was altered in Adam. But the free gift of God is the Lord Jesus Christ and in so doing and so being this gift that we have is the gift of though there are many offenses we have justification we have salvation we have peace with God there are many things that we have because of God's plan in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ verse 32 again says in the end of the verse how shall he not with him also freely give us all things this morning I want to present to you what I believe to be the meaning of that last line freely give us all things all things that he purposes to give us in Christ I'd like to enumerate some, if not all, of those things. And I know I cannot fully do perfect justice. But I want to consider eight things that we have in Christ. Now, the order of these eight things is not a matter of importance. It is not a matter of saying that one came first, one came second. It is just the way they came to my mind as I was preparing my notes for this morning. And the first thing I wanted to consider is that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ a ransom. I'm going to define a ransom this morning as the price for a life the Lord Jesus Christ paid the price that God deemed necessary for our life our sin and all that went along with it turn if you would to the book of 1st Timothy chapter 2 1st Timothy chapter 2 and I'd like you to notice verses 5 and 6 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. The best, at least in my mind, I think of a ransom, I think of someone taking something or, well, just taking something. 
and holding it for a ransom. I'll give this back to you if you give me what I require. I have a demand. For this life, for this person, for this object, I have a requirement. Well, for our sin, the requirement that was set by God is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. In Adam, we died. Adam offended. Adam disobeyed. Adam fell. We fell in Adam. We all died. And God has determined he did not change his standard. He did not change his requirements. Death for sin. There had to be a way to remedy that rift. How is it going to be possible for we who have died in sin to once again be able to approach a holy God? Those are ransom that had to be paid. Someone had to die. Men fell. A man sinned. Everyone after him followed his pattern, even though they do not sin after the same similitude as Adam. We had all sinned the same way that Adam did, but we all have sinned, and we all are in a state where if we're going to get back into the good graces of God, there must be a ransom paid. That ransom was paid by the Lord Jesus Christ when he hung on the cross at Calvary and gave up his life, his life for ours, his life for mine, his life for yours. His life for all those that the Father gave him. All those the Father chose to give unto Christ. Christ paid their ransom. We couldn't do it. There's not a bank. There's not a trust fund on the face of this earth that could ever pay our ransom. It didn't exist on this earth. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, had to come from heaven. Take upon himself the form of a man. The likeness of us. Not the likeness of angels. Nor the likeness of any creature on earth. He took upon himself the form of human beings. That he might be a suitable an acceptable ransom payment to God for our lives. Secondly, we receive redemption. I'm going to title, I'm going to define redemption as a release or a deliverance. We are released or we are delivered by the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 7. You got that? 
Ephesians 1 and 4. The other day I referred to this verse, and I got it, I was like Steve, I got it backward. I said 401. Aaron went looking at our Bible, 401. What does, no, that doesn't do what we're talking about here. Uh, so Steve, I understand how that happens. But in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, down to including verse 7, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption. We have release. We have redemption. We have deliverance and we have release through his blood for the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We have redemption. What was required for our release from the bondage of sin and the payment of sin? We died because we sinned. We are in bondage to sin we're in a sense in bondage to death death has a hold on us that we cannot break but through the redemption the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of God's will we have redemption we have release in whom we have redemption through his blood his shed blood like the blood that had been sprinkled on the fixtures of the tabernacle the Lord Jesus Christ's blood has been applied unto us for our redemption I want to look at Romans chapter 3 real quick verse 23 through 24 Romans 3 verse 23 and 24 for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus we are redeemed we are released we are delivered we are free thirdly we receive in Christ freely given to us by God justification defining justification to be to be declared free from guilt for indeed we are guilty indeed we are in human terms 
in this body we're guilty we're guilty every day of violating God's plans God's will God's dictates God's law we violate but in Christ we are declared free from guilt not that we don't still sin but God no longer imputes those sins to our destruction for our condemnation we are justified in Christ look back again at Romans chapter 5 and there verses 17 through 21 for if by one man's offense death reigned by one much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of, of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ therefore as by one by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound that as sin hath reigned unto death even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord we are justified we are declared to be free the shame of it is in this body we tend to keep repeating the same mistakes we seem to keep falling into the same pits the body of this death means us no good and it continually as Paul tells us in Romans 7 that which I would do I do not do that which I would not do that I do there's a war in this body. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 11. Or 9 through 11. Know ye not that if the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, be not deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor effeminate, nor abuse of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by 
the Spirit of our God. Now, on the on the on the heels of verse eleven, I want to make something clear. Primarily, what we're going to look at has been what Christ has done, what God purposed. But I don't want to leave out the Spirit of our God. Because the Spirit of our God is the moving factor in our lives, bringing us to the point where the ransom, the redemption, the justification, all of that can be applied in part through our regeneration being born again being born from above that's accomplished through the spirit it is the spirit that moves us to do those things that God is pleased with us accomplishing number four we have redemption I'm titling redemption or defining redemption as I'm sorry I am defining remission as a forgiveness or the release from bondage and sin. We are the forgiveness of sins thereby we are released from the bondage of sin. Luke chapter 1 Luke chapter 1 I'd like for us to read verses 73 through 77 Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 73, down to and including verse 77. The oath which I swear, now this is, list is stated in the, in the margin of my Bible, the prophecy of Zacharias. The oath which, we, which he swear to our father Abraham, they will grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, shalt be called the prophet of the, of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sin. Now, let me correct something here. This is particularly spoken of John the Baptist. But John is the precursor. John is the one that is to go before the face of the Lord Jesus Christ preparing his way preparing a people and part of that is the establishment of the church John prepared the individuals that the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ called and made up the first church of Jerusalem John prepared those that material but it was the Lord Jesus Christ who is the means of our remission. It was John preparing the way for Christ. Look at Luke chapter 24. 
Luke 24, verse 46 and 47. Luke 24, verse 46 and 47. And said unto them, Thus is written, And thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Those nations include the United States. We are a part of that work of Christ. I'm glad when I see those cases where, in the scriptures, where God includes all nations along with Jerusalem. I'm afraid if it didn't state that way, if he didn't add us to the equation, we'd yet be in our sins. Number five, we have sanctification. Being made holy is the way I'll define sanctification. Look now, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and the first two verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints that with all that in every place call upon the name of the Lord call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord both theirs and ours once again theirs and ours Gentiles and Jews we're sanctified we're set apart we're made holy. We're declared holy. Not because we're holy, but because he is holy. And we're made holy in him. Number six and number seven go pretty close together. In fact, they actually are pretty much one and the same thing. So I'm going to deal with them as the same thing. Reconciliation and atonement. There's a balancing. Reconciliation is somewhat of a business term, meaning to bring things to a state of balance and favor. And as far as the atonement, there was a gulf affixed, there was an imbalance, an inequality in our standing before God. God is here, we're way down here, and something needed to be done to bring us to a level standing where we can be accepted by God. That was accomplished through the reconciliation and the atonement that goes along with it on our behalf, on our behalf by the Lord Jesus Christ. Look if you would at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5 verses 18 through 21. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 18. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to him, to himself, by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed us unto us the word of reconciliation. God in Christ does not impute our trespasses unto us. He imputed them to Christ for our benefit. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ stead, be ye reconciled to God. Reconciliation is necessary. If nothing is, is done or if nothing is accomplished or nothing is imply, applied to bring man and God back to a state of harmony and a state of peace, there is no peace. There is no harmony. Something must need to have been done. And the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished that for us. For he has made him to be sin for us. Reading verse 21. He has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He knew no sin. We knew nothing but sin. But we have reconciliation with God. We now can be accepted. We now can be received by God because we are no longer at enmity with God. There is peace. Number eight, we have eternal life. And I'm going to define eternal life as life eternal. I just turn it around. It speaks for itself. A life that will never end. The book of John, chapter 10. John 9, chapter 10, verse 27 through 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. There's no one that can take you away from Christ or away from God through Christ not even you yourself I've heard those individuals say that you know, there are many that believe they can choose to come to God and choose to leave if they want to it never did work that way and it would not work that way God has purposed all of these things God purposed 
to remove every single barrier that stands between us and his beloved children. Though that he is wanted before the foundation of the world, those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, written before the foundation of the world, nothing can change or God did not allow for there to be anything that was going to ever completely and continually separate us from him. And that is the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now with all that being said, the state that we are in, or the state that we have achieved, or that Christ achieved for us, through all these things, cannot be negated nor canceled. We have all eight of those things and more because God in Christ secured it, made it fast, made it immutable. Let's quickly look at a few things in the latter part of our text verses 33 to 39 in verse 33 it states who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect it is God that justifieth who can lay anything to our charge what charge can be made against us by anything or anyone that is going to negate our justification that God gave to his elect. The answer to that question, nothing. There are no charges that can be laid. A finger can be pointed at us from now to eternity. It is not going to change anything. Because God has justified us in Christ. Verse 34. Who is, who, is, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather it is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God. Who, shall make, who also maketh intercession for us. Christ uses all that he accomplished on our behalf to intercede for all of us. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 says in part, he ever liveth to make intercession. If there was anyone that pointed a finger and laid a charge against any of those that God gave to the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, sitting at his right hand on his own throne, intercedes and says, Father, I took care of that problem. It doesn't count. That's negated. That's null and void. It is of no consequence in this discussion. Lord Jesus Christ, has put us in a position 
that we did not deserve. But because God so loved and Christ so loved, he loved us so much, he loved us unto the end. And he satisfied the law's last demands. Now let's look in closing in verses 35 and 39. Or 35 and 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Or distress? Or persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? As is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That word, that statement there, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for slaughter. We'd be a remiss, or I would be remiss, if I didn't take you back to the book of Psalm, the 44th Psalm, Psalm 44. And consider verses 8 through 26. We're going to read it, but we're not going to delve into all of it. But just to paint a good picture for us, let's get a good picture of what Paul is saying when he referred to this portion of Scripture. When it is tied to things that we have in Christ. The fact that no one can separate from the love of God. The fact that if God be for us, who can be against us? I'd be a mistake to not go to Psalm 42. Begin our reading in verse 8. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have I told thee from the time I have declared it? Ye are even my witness is there a God beside me yea there is no God I know not any they that make a graven image are all of them vanity and the delectable things shall not profit and they are their own witness I'm, I'm you know I, I kept sitting reading this is not making sense. You know why? Because I'm reading Isaiah 44. I knew it wasn't sounding right. I knew I wanted. I knew what I wanted to say, and it wasn't coming out right. I'm reading, but it's not, it's not making sense. Psalm 44. Forgive me. And God, we boast all the day long, and praise Thy name forever. Selah. Pay attention. But Thou was cast us off. 
and put us to shame and go us now forth with our armies thou makest us to turn back from us from the enemy and they which hate us spoiled from the, from, for themselves thou hast given us like sheep appointed for meat and hast scattered us ab- among the heathens thou sellest thy people for naught and dost not increase thy wealth by, by their price you, thou makest us a reproach to our neighbors a scorn and a derision to them that are round about us thou makest us a byword among the heathen a shaking of the head among the people my confusion is continued before me and the shame of my face hath covered me for the voice of him that reproaches and blasphemeth blasphemeth by reason of the enemy and avenger all this is come upon us yet have we not forgotten thee neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant our heart is not turned back neither have our steps declined from the way though thou hast sore broken us in the place of dragons and covered us with the shadow of death if we have forgotten the name of our Lord our God or stretched out our hands to a strange God. Shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. Yea, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Awake, why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise, cast us not off forever. Wherefore hidest thy thy face, and forgettest our affliction, and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly cleaveth unto the earth. Arise for our help, and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. We are redeemed. We, like Israel, have oftentimes forgotten God. We have searched after other pleasures. We have searched after other gods. You know, like before we saw that we had a multitude of sins listed there, fornication, adultery, sodomy, and such were some of us. But now, in Christ, for the sake of God, for God's own mercy's sake, we are redeemed. We are forgiven. We have remission. We are justified. We are sanctified. We are reconciled. We have everything that goes along with Christ. But it's for God's mercy's sake. You know, if God did not want to be merciful, we wouldn't have any hope. You know, there are 
a third of all the angels. I have no idea how many angels God created. But a third of all of them have no redemption, have no reconciliation, have no remission, have no forgiveness. They have no hope. But we have hope because God purposed in a plan that he came up of himself for our benefit that we might know his mercy but you know something folks if God has been merciful to us we must be merciful to others if God has reconciled the world unto himself we must go out and preach reconciliation we must preach Christ as the atonement for sin. We're not free of obligation. We're not free of responsibility. But all this can be accomplished through those of us that appreciate what God has done for us and want to see it bestowed upon others, our family, our friends, we have responsibility, folks. We've been given a lot. Let us give back. <laughs>